Well, you know I get bored quick. I didn't know that. Yeah, believe it or not. Okay. Um, if something doesn't change, I get really bored with it. And we've been talking about ways, how do we keep mixing up the glass house so that it feels different so that I can continue to do it? And we've been talking about variety because variety is the spice of life. In fact, the way we eat cereal illustrates this truth. I actually don't believe that variety is the spice of life. I know life. you don't, which is I'm trying to convince you of I that. know. It's not going to work. So but. tell them what you eat every morning. Well, I am actually trying to change because I did just read that Honey Nut Cheerios is the second most sugary cereal in America. I still can't believe that. And I have to date eaten a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios since I was like five every single day of my life, even if on vacation. So um, I haven't in the last two weeks. So much so that often when I'm driving home from work, I will get three letters on my phone in a text, H-N-C, which means stop and get me Honey Nut Cheerios. Like 911, basically. (laughs) But me and the boys... We have like nine different boxes of cereal because it might be fruit of, Fruity Pebbles one day and, uh, you know, Raisin Bran the next. So variety for me is what makes life fun. So we talked about there's three different kinds of episodes we would like to try to keep recording. One would just be the traditional interview with the pastor and wife or ministry leader and his wife where we're just confessing one of the struggles or emotions with ministry. Right. That's one. Yep. The second would be something that just it's just you and me taking about 20 minutes and bantering about a subject that we think people would like to hear about. Well, and a lot of this is coming from feedback that we've received and people say, "Hey, we really we really like it when you guys do the commentary because we'd like to hear kind of your thoughts on it." And so we thought, "Well, we could do a short episode." Also being shorter, it's easier to listen to it if you're in the car on a short trip or something like that. And the third one would be the biggest mistakes that ministry leaders have made in their um, in their ministry career. Or in their life. So getting a pastor and wife on and saying, what's one of the biggest mistakes you've ever made and what did you learn from it? I love it when people are honest about their struggles, their shortcomings. It kind of sets me free to realize I'm not the only one with human skin. We just read a quote about this and Missy Branch had said, smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from other people's mistakes. And so that's kind of the the point of this is that you guys could learn from our mistakes. Not that you're not going to make your own. That's right. But that you would hear from pastors and, and Ben and I and to be able to say, I don't want to do that. So today we're going to hop into this idea of you and I taking a topic and chasing it down. And I want to talk to you about partnership and ministry, the highs and the lows, the roller coaster of that ride. You want to talk to me about it? Yeah, I want to talk to you about it. I want us to talk out loud about it. Are we going to have a problem? Of you, course. You said- <laughs> That's why we have other people in the room for accountability. <laughs> So we live in Nashville, Tennessee. We do. And it's a home of country music. I love country music, by the way. I know you do. You love old country music. <laughs> the old 80s country. Oh, yeah. Not old, old, but like the middle 90s. old. Yeah. Well, Old Dominion has a song called One Man Band. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lyric that goes like this. I don't want to be a one man band. I don't want to be a rolling stone alone. Putting miles on a rundown van. Baby, we can take our own show on the road. You did forget the art, the um, line about we're going to get tattoos in trash hotel rooms. <laughs> I did. Which is um, also a funny one. That Yeah. So the song's about making music together, but the principle applies to ministry as well, which is we're going to do this together. And early in our marriage, we made a decision that we were going to do our very best to tackle ministry together. Mm-hmm. I think that oftentimes we talk about the man's calling to ministry, but... We neglect to talk about the the woman's call to ministry as well. And I don't have a specific moment where I'm like, man, I was called to ministry and I need to go to seminary, which many do. 
Um, but I do think just by default, when you became pastor at Inglewood, that was in a way God calling me to ministry as well. That's right. I mean, you can't do it separately. Attention, I'm about to use my bachelor's in biology. Are you ready? Oh my goodness. Yeah. One of the only times it's ever applied to my actual career. In DNA, there are two strands. You bring those two strands together and they create this powerful combination. And I do think in marriage, uh, God has so ordained for the two strands to come together to form one. And when our gifts combine, when you and I find a way for the best of you to come out, the best for me to come out in an event or in a ministry together, it's not only, I think, more impactful, it's a way more fun. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to talk today a little bit about what we've learned along the way, because it's not easy. Well, I want to say something to the DNA thing, because people will say to us a lot, like, I could never work with my spouse. And I totally understand that. Not everybody can. But I do think that even if you're listening to this and you're not ministry partners, you should have some sort of partnership in ministry, whether that's serving in your local church, whether that's, you know, you have a home group, because it's just part of like, like you have to have that mutual DNA, like you're talking about. You have to connect in ministry. So whether you work together or not is not the issue. And in fact, you and I would admit there's certain things we should not do together. It's ugly every time. I actually don't agree with that. Really? You love doing everything with me. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about the, the hard things we've learned along the way. These sure. are like lessons, but also just uh, principles we've learned along the way in working together. So you want to take the first one? Sure. I mean, we um, we talked about this a little bit this morning when we were recording an episode, but just said we've learned there are different seasons in ministry. And so just because something works in one season, it's not necessarily going to work again. And I mean, I think that's been the principle that's been the hardest for us in the last few years at LifeWay is because something worked at, in pastoral ministry does not mean it's going to work in the ministry context we're in now. Especially in parenting, like when we had four babies in four years and you were home with the kids and all those diapers and all those bottles, there just wasn't capacity mm -hmm. for you to partner with me a lot at the church. You would come when you could, but there's a season of ministry. And I, I love the, the idea of the snare of compare. I do think couples sometimes compare themselves to other couples. And that other couple you're comparing themselves to may have older kids. They may have a season of life where they're more free to be able to do those things together. So just understand that in each season, that partnership of ministry might look a little different, right? Right. Number two, we've learned that people have a natural fear of nepotism. <laughs> when we've worked together in the mm -hmm. past, uh, it's just been surprising at times that there is, because of abuse in the past, and there have been stories mm -hmm. of people who work together on the same team or own a family business together and everybody else who works on that team is miserable. Mm -hmm. We take that one story and we multiply it and say, well, it must be always bad for a husband and wife to work together or to lead together or to make decisions together. I think what's hard about this is, um, you know, when we were at Storyline, this was a battle that we fought. And I understand because it was not easy for the staff to work with you and I together, just our per always, I should say that. that. I mean, sometimes they had a great experience and sometimes it was a little bit tricky in meetings. But I think what's sad about this nepotism term is that I do believe that sometimes God gives two people the same vision. And so, you know, it's hard when you would have a vision for the church and I would have a vision and they would align, but maybe they didn't align with somebody else on the staff. And so it almost felt like it was wrong for us to say, you know, no, God gave us this 
desire and this is what the direction that we need to go because it almost always went to well you just you guys are just you guys are pairing up on us or you know it's nepotistic and stuff and I mean what, what well, was your thought on that? Well what's weird about that is a lot of those meetings I can remember you and I were on the opposite side of an argument. Mm-hmm. What's often remembered is the moment when I pick your side and side with you against another staff member which creates some awkwardness. Mm-hmm. But again the statement I use is manage the risk, don't disqualify the partnership. Mm-hmm. There are ways to talk about this to set up some some guide some guide rule some guide rails to set up some guard, guide rails guard on some, rails? Uh, yes. Okay. Guidelines, guardrails. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Either way. There are ways there are ways to set up guidelines and guardrails to make sure that this is controlled and there's accountability and there's, you know, an open conversation about, hey, here's how we're going to handle this when we disagree in the room together. Uh, rather than just saying it can never happen. Yep. All right. Yeah. Number three is that we've learned that God grows our marriage as he grows our faith. Taking big steps together, grabbing each other's hand and jumping off a cliff. Every time we've done that, it's been super scary, but our relationship has grown. And so, I mean, coming to Lifeway was one of them. Planting a church was one of them. Even taking our first pastorate was one of them. But when we said, we're going to do this together, and we shared that fear together, it grew us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was thankful at Storyline. There were many areas that I because I didn't know what I was doing. I learned to lean on you and you had stronger instincts around lots of stuff than I did. Mm-hmm. And it was fun to see your gift shine in a way that mine never could, like planning events. Right. We should talk about staff meeting disaster. Do you remember this? Of course you do. Which one? One of the worst days of our marriage. We took the staff away for a retreat. We were like unpacking all this different vision and I had a whole team in the room And it became very clear that there was this major thing happening that had to do, was going to affect you, and you had no idea about it. Well, our staff was like maybe 10, 11 people at that time. Two of us were women, and the two women had no idea this was going on. And the two guys who presented it were like very far down the road. It was very clear they were really far down the road, and... You know, this other lady and I look at Ben and said, like, do you know anything about this? And the guys were like, well, yeah, he's been in on all this, you know. And she and I just felt very, like, betrayed as if why didn't – why hadn't we hurt? Because it was going to affect her because of her husband. It was going to affect me because of kids' ministry stuff. And more than betrayed, both of you started crying. And neither of us are are criers. (laughs) And so we're both crying. upset tears in the middle of the staff meeting to where we had to, like – call time out and like take a break and just go eat and try to like patch together the rest of the the retreat. There was so much emotion in it Mm -hmm. and drama. And like, I remember getting home from that retreat and just wanting to sleep for like three days. And I mean, this, this is the challenge of working together in ministry is that there are going to be explosions. Mm -hmm. There are going to be moments where this is really hard and we've got to like figure this out. Um, But I would still say it's worth it. Sure. I would still say it's worth it. And I would say in every moment where there's been intense pain, we've we've dug in and thought, okay, why was this so painful? What can we learn from this? How do we move forward? Right. Number four, we have learned that decision-making can be difficult when you work together in ministry. Uh, Lundley and I are both fierce personalities. We're both strong-willed people. And when we have to make decisions together, 
it can definitely be fiery disagreement. <laughs> Those are my words. And so we, we have had some – we have really had some doozies when it comes to disagreeing about what we should do in ministry. Well, and the, the truth of the matter is that the final say has to come from this, typically the senior pastor, which was always you in our case. And so um, we really had to learn how to come to a peaceful place. And I think we still struggle with this of when we both have really strong opinions, who wins? I mean, that's the question. Is like, who who gets to win this fight? And that's not even the right word because a lot of times n- nobody wins. Um, but I just felt like, I mean, the thing that I've had to like say over and over to you is I just need you to hear my opinion and I need you to not pretend like you've forgotten that you asked me my opinion. And so like if we had this conversation, for example, about a decision and I get to give my opinion and you still go in the other direction. Like that never upsets me if you go in the other direction because you do have to make the ultimate decision. What upsets me is that if you forget to tell me what direction you go in and then I hear it from someone else and I feel like you, you didn't even have the respect to come back to me and say, you know, I heard what you said. I thought about it, but I really feel like God's leading me in this direction and I need you to, I need your support. Yeah. Well, I would love to support you then. And That's I a good mean, point. those things go both ways. Yeah. And one of the things that's hard for me in those moments when you would disagree with me is I would say things to you like no other staff member would say that to me. Like you so freely say to me that you disagree with me. Like I would be mad that you would oppose me in ways that other staff people wouldn't, but you're my wife. Of course you're going to you're going to feel a certain level of freedom to speak that other staff members would feel more guarded or more fearful and being that honest with me. I can remember decisions where me and a couple of guys made a decision and you'd be like, was there a woman in the room? When you guys decided that, because practically speaking, that's going to be very difficult for moms or ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just had to work through all that. I mean, that's happened here even at Lifeway. Yeah. There's been times where um, it has it has nothing. I have zero decision-making skills here. here. Um, that doesn't fall under my jurisdiction or whatever. But there are times when I'll say something. You'll ask my opinion. I'll say something. And then you would say um, – no one else would respond like that. Right. I'm like, well, of course not. You're Nobody not, else is your wife. Well, no, I want to say uh, you, you can't fire. Like, you don't have a paycheck over my head. You know, I mean, right. it's just harder. So it's just, there's, it's a different dynamic when you do work together. And on the subject of decision making, staff meetings could be awkward because I would subconsciously, We'd be talking about a decision and not sure what to do, and I would find my eyes constantly shifting over to you to try to read your body language. And staff members pointed that out and could see that I was particularly sensitive to you being pleased with the outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that was equally hard for me, though, because I felt like I had to plaster a fake smile on my face to make sure that you're okay and they're okay, that you and I are okay. I mean, the whole process was just a little bit awkward. Sometimes because there were things and I, I wear my emotions on my face. And so there were times where I, I thought an idea was not, not great. And, but I have to balance, you know, your feelings and their feelings and the whole, the whole thing. And our, our two personalities do collide in that. Like I have a new idea every morning and I want to throw it at you and you're a person that has to process ideas or you immediately think, will it work? I don't feel like I have to process them as much as I just know from the start that it's not good. <laughs> my discernment tells me that um, that's not going to work. But I've had to work over the years to not get my feelings hurt to know, okay, Lindley is not an enthusiast. Yes. 
no matter what I say right here, she's not going to jump up and down and scream that this is the best thing she's ever heard. Okay, tell me when you've ever done that with an idea. You're like a lawyer when I give you an idea and I have to like defend it. You know, why, why do we think that's a good idea? Well, because my and then, ideas, But you always want me to be an enthusiast. Well, my ideas are really good and yours aren't. That's the, <laughs> normally the problem. Okay. So understanding each other's personalities, you are a problem solving, like you see problems when you hear an idea. Oh, there's going to be some problems here. No, it's not problems. It's logistics. Okay, logistics. <laughs> not, That's exactly don't make me right. a Debbie, down, Debbie Downer. I, yes. um, but we have learned even the other day he came in at like 5.55 a.m. and I like, actually came sliding in in my socks yes. like Tom Cruise. You actually did that three times because I didn't Christmas. laugh the first two. And yes, I, was I went like, back and ran in again. I'm not going to laugh the third time. Like, don't keep doing it. It's not going to work. It was a great idea. And you came in, slide. you came sliding in. You said, I've got this really great idea. And we have learned. I just said, hey, I, I know it's going to be amazing because I, I love your ideas. I'm going to need to hear it in about 90 minutes. <laughs> so just give me some time. And so, I mean, I do think that we've learned that with each other, just saying, you know, the timing has to be right. Right. And understanding each other's personalities. The last one is we have learned that there will always be critics and naysayers. Uh, if you work together in ministry, some people aren't going to like it. Some people aren't going to like you. Some people aren't going to like you as a couple. They're going to find something to complain about or to pick at. Uh, so Lindley and I have had different people come up to us over the years and say things to try to divide us or discourage us. And you just if you feel called to it and you feel like the Lord is blessing it, you have to just put criticism aside and continue to do what God's called you to do. Mm-hmm. I think people will always also individually come up to us and say something about the spouse. Like the other one? Yeah, and we've had to learn to just say, you know, I think you need to go to him, or you've had to say, you need to go to her and say that. Like, don't try to divide us. I mean, that's a lesson we've learned just talking about, even recently someone asked us about our biggest mistakes, and like, we can fight all we want, but the minute you someone else criticizes you, it's different. Right. And so, you know, that that's a hard thing with naysayers, is that when they try to get us divided against each other. Right. So we've talked about the hard parts, and um, kind of in light of what Nicole Zazowski says of what if it's wonderful, there are some really uh, special joy of working together. And so for some of you listening that may be thinking, why are we doing this? Because what they're saying sounds really hard. Like there are some like extra special fruits of working together, I think. And I've been reading a lot about writers recently and the process they go through in writing, because I'm just fascinated with writers I've yet to find a writer that says that it's easy. It's really easy to sit down and just just whip out a book. Mm-hmm. All of them say the same thing. It's torturous. There are days I just want to quit. I, I struggle with self-loathing. And anything that you set out to do, just like partnering in ministry, there are days where it's just hard when you wonder, is it worth it? But well, the things we're about to share really do make it worth it. I think even when you say partnering in ministry, I think of just partnering in life. And so for people who are listening to this that aren't, in ministry together. It's so interesting. I just saw um, a friend whose husband has graduated from med- law, uh, medical school, and they're having a doctor's wife um, gathering. And they're just talking about how, you know, you you basically lose your spouse through those four years of mm. medical school. And, they, then, support and each other. then they go into residency, how hard it is. So, I mean, I don't want it to sound like, you know, pastors and pastor's wives are the only part. It's just a, it's hard partnering in life together. Trying to be one. 
is hard, mm-hmm. no matter if you're in ministry or not. Right. So here are the things that we have found like in ministry, though, that have made it worth it for us. So number one, when we have partnered together, we have grown spiritually. Mm-hmm. Which You're, sounds so simple. Yeah. I, I love that book, Elephant Prayers, we read years ago. Mm-hmm. Explain the premise of that book. Yeah, the idea was there's this guy who wrote this book called Elephant Prayers, and he said that he, he prayed for his youth group. He was a youth pastor. He just felt led to pray. He really wanted to have an event where an elephant showed up. <laughs> so random because I know it was weird to pray that, but I just, I felt led to pray. I I saw this elephant and it never happened. And years later, they were on a mission trip across the world and he was in his room and he looked out the window and all of his kids were out, the students were out in this courtyard and there was an elephant. Mm -hmm. And God answered the prayer way later in his life in a way he had not perceived. And so he said, you know, we have not because we ask not is what Jesus says. So uh, we should, as a couple, have dreams that we pray for, like, God, what if what if you really did do this for us? Mm-hmm. Like, what if this thing that's in our hearts could come true? Yeah. And as we've prayed those things together and we've seen God move and do things for us, it's grown us spiritually, not only just closer to God, but closer to one another spiritually. Well, I remember we, we put together an elephant prayer list with our um, church plan, like with the core group when we were just beginning and so, I mean, that's a that's a really fun exercise to do with your core team. If you're just starting out as a pastor, um, if you guys are trying to, you know, dream up a new vision, I mean, we put down all kinds of things. And it was so fun to see them come come true. Yeah. Um, Angie's in, our, in the room right now, our producer. And one of the elephant prayers for this year was that we would have 100,000 downloads in our new podcast. And we passed it. Oh, for 2022. For that was twenty. That was a twenty twenty two thing. Yes, I remember you wrote that down, and we made a note like, "Let's pray that." Wouldn't it be wild if a hundred thousand downloads happened? And well, it finished higher than that. I want. I feel a little bit defensive. Okay. To our audience of that, that it's a numbers driven thing. So my heart in that was not that it's a hundred thousand because of the number itself, but just the potential for impacting families in ministry that are having either a really great time or a hard time. And so I just felt like that was a number to say, God, if you would do this for us, um, because my heart behind this is never to like overly advertise the podcast. I really want it to grow organically that somebody hears it, right. shares it. And so that the the bigger prayer for me was just that people were listening and sharing it versus it being, you know, all over everywhere kind of thing. So but, I just, that it makes me nervous when you say that because... I know, but now you're sounding like a dream squasher. Because who sets out to do a podcast and says, I hope we get at least three downloads? (laughs) (laughs) Are you calling me Debbie Downer again? Well, I'm just like, it's okay to dream. Like, what if we stuck a big number out there and prayed that it would happen? And and it happened. Like, you know, that's why scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. God wants us to ask for things and do it together as a couple. And occasionally, all those prayers that we put on the list for the church plant didn't happen. No. But some of them did. Right. And it was a day of celebration. So we've grown spiritually. Second of all, we have... We've become better friends, which is clear to the audience. <laughs> you are such a good friend. Thank you. That was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, uh, have you ever gone on a mission trip without your spouse and you come back and you've got photos and you're trying to somehow communicate 
how wild this experience was in your life, but the photos just seem so weak in capturing what happened to you there. When you don't do ministry together, that's like an everyday occurrence. When you're not trying to find things to do together where you have a shared experience, you're not growing in your friendship. You're growing individually. Well, that's what, I mean, it's, it's to me just shared experience more than shared ministry. And um, we read a marriage book that talked about the first person that you want to tell a piece of good news to is your best friend. And it, it should always be your spouse. Like if you get something, if something happens at work for you, I mean, I hope that I'm your first call. And there have been times where I'm not your first call and it's hurt my feelings because I think, gosh, I wanted to celebrate that, that with you first and vice versa. I, let me restate. I mean, there have been times where I got pieces of information and I didn't share it with you first. And, you know, I know that's hard for you. I just love when the golden moments happen in ministry together. Like they don't happen all the time, but when they happen, they're memorable. I actually had one today, like an hour ago. We came up with an idea, like what if this summer at the big Southern Baptist Convention, we took some of the interviews from the Glass House and put it into a magazine Mm -hmm. where people could read and, and consume the content that these amazing conversations with pastors and wives had produced. And we just walked out there and saw the first look at the design and the content. The layout of it all. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I felt so close to you in that moment. Like, holy cow, look what God has done here. This is such a, an amazing resource. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you do ministry together, you have days where you're like, I don't think we did anything good today. But there are days when it just feels so worth it. And so we become better friends when we do ministry together. So we grow spiritually. We become better friends. And lastly... We find more ways to partner together. So as we do things together, we discover things that we like doing together. Mm -hmm. And this podcast is one of them. When we said yes to LifeWay, we never sat down in Denver and said, hey, what if we get there and start a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even listen to them very much. I don't listen to podcasts very much. I don't think you've ever listened to a podcast other than Crime Junkie. Oh, I like Crime Junkie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've listened to them now, now that we do them. And and the fun thing about podcasting now is that I have such a different respect for people who who do podcasts often. I mean, I have a huge respect for people who even um, sit in front of the camera every night, a news anchor type oh person. Gosh. Because looking, I mean, talking into a microphone, looking into a camera, some of that stuff is so hard. And so, I mean, it's fun creating new experiences that also create a new level of respect totally. for people out there who do jobs that you just assume are easy. Totally. Our friend Todd Atkins, he has 5LQ. It's a leadership podcast here at Lifeway. He just did his 500th episode. That's a lot. And we were looking at his at his uh, his lineup the other day and we we're like, that is a huge feat to do 500 episodes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he must feel so proud of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you do ministry together, you find new things to do, you find new goals. And I just never would have dreamed this up, this podcast thing, but it's been so much fun. Yeah. So, you know, don't be afraid to try. And that, that's really what we want to say today is if God has called you to be one in life, search and pray for ways to serve together. Even if it's going to the soup kitchen to serve the poor together, which we've done recently and was awesome. Mm-hmm. So it may be an event or just let's do something together where we are side by side in ministry. It's not just you up on the stage and me on the floor, where we're shoulder to shoulder making what? a difference together. You said me up on the stage. That's not going to happen. It could happen. You've always, hey, you told me that your dream would be to be a dancer for Justin Timberlake. <laughs> it could still happen. That is not going to happen. Trust me. <laughs> 
Well, I do think there are times though, like I've been, uh, I've been places where you were up front leading and I was like, holy cow, she's doing such an amazing job. I can think of meetings at like vacation Bible school. You're training all the teachers and I was sitting in the back, like, how does she memorize all this information? Mm -hmm. It's fun to watch your spouse shine in ministry and to be there to be a support. Um, so anyway, we wanted to have a moment to share all that with you today. I hope it encourages you, whether you and your spouse work on staff together or whether you just try to find ways to serve with your kids together. We think it's worth it. The Glass House is a production of Lifeway. It's produced and edited by Angie Elkins. Sound engineering by Dale Sandberg. Original music by Robert Elkins. Photography by Rebecca McVeigh. And artwork by Heather Bersansky. We are your hosts, Ben and Lindley Mandrell. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.